0: What's up everybody and welcome to the Passionate DJ podcast. I'm your host David Michael and I'm hanging with my homie Mr. Tricky Tricky Trip Turlington. <laughs> What's
1: up man? Uh not much man. Just uh just kicking it.
0: So I had this idea. I was thinking that we could go pull some clips from uh just across the uh the Electric Interwebs. What? <laughs> from uh the you know, Information
1: Superhighway. Yeah, way. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, from, like, uh, big-name DJs out of interviews or conversations that they have and just kind of uh, pull some of those clips and talk about what they have to say. So we're calling this episode Real Talk. Ooh. So, okay. Uh, but before we get to that, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to our ambassadors. Wow. Ah. So uh, for those who aren't aware, we have started this ambassador program, the Passionate DJ Ambassador Program, and our co-host, Mo Dingo, is kind of heading up this project and basically, we have a set of—I uh, think there's 12 uh, ambassadors, and these are kind of like our close-knit super fans of the show who have signed up for this. Um, most of them attended episode 100, our live show, mm-hmm. and uh, we pitched this idea to to those guys because they're, you know, some hardcore fans, and they're already kind of like sharing passionate DJ posts and, you know, interacting with us and sending us emails and voicemails and stuff like that, and so. They've been kind of, we got them all into a, uh, you know, a Slack channel, which is like our, what we use to communicate, uh, kind of chat room software. And, uh, these guys have been great, man. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Like, uh, Everybody's getting real chatty in there and we're already bouncing ideas off of each other, you know, not just for passionate DJ, but for uh, DJing in general and right. talking about music and talking about back in the day and Absolutely. getting feedback on episodes. And that's, it that's makes our,
1: cool. yeah, they've made our, our weekly, uh, 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 online, uh, hangouts a lot more lively Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you go from four to 12, it's, it's, uh, it's a more interesting, uh, uh, environment online. So.
0: Yeah, so it's it's been cool to have those guys around, and they're uh, we're we're still kind of in our beta launch program. And I wish Mo was here to talk about it. Unfortunately, he's uh,
1: DJing.
0: Well, yeah, he's DJing, (laughs) so he's not here. But uh, but yeah, it's been it's been pretty cool to work with these guys, and I'm sure we'll uh, we'll we'll talk to Mo a little bit more about that, and probably get some of those guys on the show here too, and and talk to them about what they've got going on. A couple of them have their own podcasts, like music podcasts Mm -hmm. and streams that they're doing, and. I was listening to uh, one of them, The Sound Underground, I think it's the soundunderground.net by uh, Greg Lane, which was a pretty cool show, uh, really good tunes, I enjoyed that, and I was listening to that while I was, I was actually last night playing Borderlands with my wife, <laughs> playing dueling Xboxes, listening to his podcast, it was good stuff. So I've been been enjoying kind of getting to know these guys a little bit better and, and seeing what, what their musical stylings and their influences are yeah. and that kind of stuff, and Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's been pretty cool hanging out with these guys. I'm I'm digging it.
1: It's been really cool because like, you know, we've been talking about the ambassador, you know, as a, as an idea for what, over a year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so we knew that these, that you guys are out there and, and we, with as much as we, uh, get your messages and your voicemails and we love interacting with all of you, but like, you know, sometimes we just get these messages from you guys, you know, of just nothing but kudos. And it's like, you know this is awesome. You know, we've got this really great thing and we've got an awesome community here. And, and, uh, so we've been, we've really been trying to hone in on how do we harness this and, and, and really embrace you guys and and have you get involved with us as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see where this goes. It'll be really, it'll be really fun, but you really need to see how it grows.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're kind of doing it in, uh, we've been calling it seasons where, right. you know, we kind of earn points for doing different things and contributing different things to the show and just to kind of gamify it a little bit and make it fun. And right. uh, so we're, like I said, we're kind of in our, our beta phase of that and we're, we're already learning a lot. You know, we've already had to change some of our methods and, right. and things too, which is which is why we ran the beta and mm-hmm. Mo talked me into doing that, which I'm glad he did because <laughs> it would have been a disaster if we didn't. Um, but yeah, it's already been fun. I, I can't really, I can't wait to, to see where it goes, but, yeah. um, the, uh, the signups are currently closed for that, but we will probably, um, do another, an occasional, like, uh, I don't know open enrollment or <laughs> whatever you want right. to call it, people who want to apply. So that'll be something to keep an, an eye out for, but it's been really nice talking to these guys and, uh, you know, they're, they're leaving a lot of feedback on the Facebook page and stuff. Um, for instance, uh, I don't, you probably haven't had a chance to listen yet. We're kind of recording this episode ahead of time, but the episode that I recorded with our friend Tommy, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the Digging for Bedrock, mm-hmm. uh, got a lot of positive feedback on that episode from our ambassadors and other fans. Yep. Uh, one of our ambassadors, Dubmaster Blue Bear, said, I enjoyed this episode a lot since my musical journey into Electronica began with trance and those dark melodic synth sounds. There really is something spiritual about that sound that is hard to come by nowadays. I love the episode format as well. Just two friends nerding out on music. Well done. Uh, and then he says, <laughs> Al- "Although, well, yes, work on work out those mic audio deletion issues." <laughs> so, <laughs> if you didn't catch that, I managed to screw up the recording again, <laughs> again? trying trying to record without you. <laughs> when will you ever learn? <laughs> I, I don't think I will, man. Well, you know what it is is like. You know, when we come to record on your setup, we kind of have a thing all ready to go and you have right. a template and all that stuff. Yep. And every time I'm recording, I'm like setting up a pop-up shop somewhere, you know?
1: <laughs> right, <laughs> So it's right. like
0: it, you would think that being a DJ for this long, I would know better to double and triple check everything. And, yeah. and But I ended up somehow deleting his whole vocal track and, and wow, had to recover yeah. that from my mic, which is... It turned out pretty good, surprisingly. Yeah, I, I sound was going to say, wise,
1: I got about I, so far. I've, I was able to hear about, uh, or I was able to listen to about half of it. Oh, so you've heard some of yeah, it. Yeah, okay? Yeah. And and it it was it was what I've heard so far is great. It, it it's great to you know listen back on on some of those tracks. I mean, because all the stuff that you guys talked about, you know, was a little bit later from when I started, but. I mean, still like the bedrock era. I mean, you, you. I mean, you know what you're talking about when you say the bedrock <laughs> era. There's no, there's no mistaking that. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. Those, uh, there, there's something about that era and that sound that, man. It, it, there's, there's nothing else quite like it. So to have- hear you guys talk back and forth about that was just. Yeah, I, I really, I really wish I could have been there you know, I, I to, to kind of nerd out with you guys. For I do sure. too. And,
0: and Tommy, if you're listening, you're you're welcome to join us here again anytime and uh, and come in with the rest of the gang and, and have a chat. He knows everybody too, yep, so it, yep. you know it'd be just uh, just a bunch of homies hanging out. That's right. That's right. With <laughs> you, a microphone in your head. right, right. <laughs> but yeah, we're we're glad that you guys all enjoyed that, and uh, thanks to the uh, ambassadors for checking that out and give us our feedback on that as well. And uh, yeah, I, w- I would love to uh, to do more episodes like that. Yeah, uh, just kind of focusing on a style of music or a period of time or something like that, and just kind of just talking about it, listening and and talking, giving commentary on it. Because yeah. I think it seems like people really like those, and they're they're really fun to do, and it's cool to to kind of look back on that stuff and right. re-experience it.
1: Especially right, because I mean, especially now, you know. We're, we're in a, a time with our music where, you know, everything has to be like the new it thing, right. right? Like it has to be its own new thing that is so different from everything else. That's why we have 5,942 subgenres of trance, you know, <laughs> like, or, right. or of dubstep or whatever, you know, like the, that's why everything is so niched, you know, yeah. that, that it just, it, that it, 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 it's annoying to a, to a degree but um you know so w- when when you're dealing with everything that has to be the newest it thing to take a step back and to you know just you know focus in on this one time where yeah there might have been five or 10 subgenres of something but when you hone in on that as a body of work and pick out the the top pieces you know you don't just get to relive that but um but you also get to see how it influenced what it is that we that we listen to today yeah
0: i uh, actually received an email from uh, william vance it was a show idea he said i loved your episode where you dug into sasha last week uh, and talked about the mixes transitions and styles that gave me an idea that might be an interesting concept for a show or two could you have djs or artists signed to various labels come in and casually talk about the music they play and how they play it in a similar fashion to what you two did in that episode Um, obviously chatting with an established artist playing trance is going to have an ear for different elements of music and different mixing techniques and transitions than an artist that's signed to a notable dubstep label. Right. And, uh, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's, we love doing those kind of episodes. Oh yeah. Like let's come in and listen to this and talk
1: about it. Yeah. And we're and we're always uh, trying to reach out and and, and find, you know, uh, people to interview for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, th- that's that's definitely something that's on our radar and, and something that we're always actively pursuing. So
2: for sure, yeah, as,
1: as we can as we can lock them down, we'll we'll get them out there for you.
0: All right. Real quick, uh, before we get on to our main topic, I do want to go ahead and address a voicemail. OK. Uh, This is coming from uh, Manu, the DJ, and he's from Kenya, and he wants to ask some questions about uh, marketing himself and getting more gigs.
1: Cool.
3: Hi, guys. Uh, My name is uh, Manu, the DJ. I'm from Kenya, Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, in Africa, mm, my dream is to be the best, the best DJ in Africa. Yeah? To be even the world, to do international events and such things. Uh, I did my course like few months ago, a mm, few year, few, few one like uh, a year. Let, let me say a year ago. And I'm confused where to start, guys. You know, I was giving, I was giving myself a go ahead. Where do I start? I have the skills and have, uh, I have the skills. I have the talent of being a DJ. Mm, but my problems come to when I'm marketing myself. Uh, I don't know it's my marketing ro- r- not correct or the, pro- the the procedure that I used to market myself. You know, for for a DJ, you should you should uh, you should you should able to confuse your clients. your best than other other DJs. So how do I how do I supposed to start marketing myself? Yeah, I need to get more gigs in future for like. With that one year, I have only, I think I have only had uh four gigs, yeah, four gigs. Imagine four gigs, and I want to get even every week. I want to have a giga, 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 gig, gig more gigs. What should I? What should I do now? What, sh- what am I supposed to do, guys? Can you help me, please?
0: Okay, Manu the DJ from Kenya, uh, good to hear from you. We actually have seem to have a pretty strong following out in Kenya. We yeah. get uh, emails and uh, the occasional voicemail out that direction all the time. That's Absolutely. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so how to market yourself and get more regular gigs or get weekly gigs. That is the eternal struggle. Um, when it comes to getting gigs in Africa and in Kenya specifically, you know, one thing that we always have to kind of stress here is that, uh, you know, I'm what you call a dumb American <laughs> and don't really know anything about the scene in Kenya or or London or Melbourne or whatever, or, yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as personal experience goes, right. you know, so we all we know is what we hear. And um, so I would love to hear from some Kenyan DJs, actually, who are making this work and would love to, right. you know, hear what, what they're doing um, because... You know, we get a lot of questions from yep. from uh, Kenya, South Africa and a couple other places. Mm-hmm. And I just have no clue what the the uh, the DJ industry or the scene is like over there. Right. But um, I think some things are pretty universal. Right. Absolutely. That's exactly so, what I was about to say. Yeah. So uh, marketing himself Um this is something that you've had a lot of experience with, uh, especially, you know, a few years back with like doing boat parties and all the event promotion stuff that you've done. I I wish Tony was here that we could ask him as well. I'm probably the least experienced (laughs) (laughs) out of those three, as far as event promotion goes and and stuff. But I think a lot of those skills kind of play into getting booked as a DJ. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Um, well, my, my, my mind immediately goes to a conversation that we've had a few times here on the show. And that's the value add, like, Mm, you know, in, in just about anything that you do, you know, in, in any business, what you, what service you provide has to be better than whatever everybody else is doing, you know? So, um, it for, it, you know, for like the mobile gigs, you know, if, if somebody if you've got two DJs that are charging a thousand dollars and one of them uh, will bring a fold out dance floor, a lighting rig and a disco ball. And the other guy is just going to bring, you know, a boom box and, you know, a mixtape, you know, <laughs> like, right. who are you going to go with? You know, and, and that's a pretty that's a caricature example. Right. But, you know, so it's finding out you, know, you got to do some research on your competition what are all of these other dj's doing and how are the people who are going to see those dj's and the people who are booking those dj's what is it that they are seeing in that dj um, you know for for some D, for some event promoters it's simply a matter of numbers mm-hmm. you know if if this DJ will bring me 200 people, but this DJ will only bring me 50 right. people, then I'm going with the one that will bring me 200. Now that's up to us as a DJ to look at that guy that's bringing 200 people or, you know, however many and say, what is that? What is it about this DJ that is bringing that many people? And how do I emulate that? Or how do I you know reverse engineer that so I can bring 200 people? And then, go the next step? What is it that I have to do to be better than that? Yeah. So it's, it it it, it is a matter of a little bit of analytics, you know, just knowing, it, you know, it, like you said, we don't know Kenya, but, you know, speaking to those universal things, we do understand, you know, competition in a marketplace, right? So it, that's, you, you gotta, you gotta know what your competition is, you gotta know what your environment is, yeah. and you gotta know you know, your placement within it and how to get up that up that ladder. Uh, the second thing that I think of when uh, thinking of universal uh, uh, concepts and in, in marketing yourself is um, uh, not just a value add, but nurturing a network. So it, you, you got to know the right people, you know, who, who is booking these DJs, you know, if, if you're a mobile DJ, then, you know, you need to get to uh, areas um, or you need to get to like conventions or wherever it is that people go to research out, you know, a mobile DJ or a wedding DJ. If you're a club DJ, then, you know, obviously the place to go is the club, right? right. <laughs> but well, And that's yeah. another
0: point is um, man who's not really specific about the, the types of gigs, which right. could play a role here. So, sure. you know, are we talking about playing at a club or a bar? Are we talking about doing weddings? Or are we talking about something else? Right. Um, you know, outdoor parties, you know, what, what kind of gigs are we looking at or, or are those all the same to you? Do you just want to play music no matter where it is? Right. You know, cause that might change the answer a little bit. Exactly. Um, but, uh, especially if you're wanting to play gigs every weekend, yeah. um, you know, I don't know how many DJs live around you or in the same, uh, work environment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't in other words, I don't know how much competition there is uh, in your immediate, you know, uh, whatever place you live. So it's it's hard to to make that determination. But as far as like uh, marketing yourself, you know, there are some things that will carry over, for instance, like social media uh, promotion. Uh, One thing that I always bring up is uh, what we call micro content. So just constantly posting uh, little bits of, uh, you playing music or talking about DJing or, uh, something interesting, something that you would want to see if it flew past, you, you know, your Facebook feed or some, or Instagram right. or something like that. Something that would catch your attention, start creating content that would catch your attention. Yeah. And then you, you will start attracting those kind of people that are, you know, that are
1: attracted to that, are content. attracted
0: to what you're doing. Right. Um, Probably the most important thing overall as far as just getting the gigs mm-hmm. and uh, getting them scheduled and, and locked down is the, you're most likely to get more gigs if you're just constantly trying to get gigs. Right. And I know that sounds really simple, but it's true. Like the person who hustles and goes and just constantly asks and goes out and pursues them and looks for them, and I have no idea you know, what uh, our friend here is you know, how often he's going out right. and trying to right. pursue these gigs and talk to uh, venue owners or, or whatever his target is. Right. Um, but I mean, if you want gigs every weekend and you don't have them now, then you should be out every weekend looking for gigs. Right. And, and whether that means, you know, just talking to the right people. Um, you know, it's, it, it's hard to, to frame this cause I really don't know what the, what the target venues are here. Sure. Sure. But, um, as opposed to somebody who just talks about wanting more gigs but doesn't actually ask for them. So I think, you know, somebody, somebody who makes that ask over and over again, and not to the same person. Right, right, right. right. That's yeah. not what I mean. But, you know, I talk to a lot of people tell a lot of people what you're trying to do, go to a lot of places where you want to DJ, ask them, hey, do you have anything going on? Would would it be okay if I played music for you next weekend? The more you do that, you know, for for every 20 people you ask, maybe one person will say yes. So Uh, if you ask 100 people, you've got five gigs, bam. Right.
1: Well, I mean, I was going to liken that to telemarketers, you know, there, there are companies that literally employ hundreds of people to sit and make phone calls all day <laughs> to sell somebody a product. And those people will sit there and take hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of calls a day and get hung up on, cursed at, you know, just the most vile things said to these people, all in the hopes that they will get three people that will say yeah, I'll buy your product. Yep. In an entire workday, you know. So, it, it you you got to hear a lot of nos before you get to those yeses. But you'll never get to those yeses if yes. you don't go through the nos.
0: Yes. Be willing to hear no. Right. I think is probably if we wanted to put this all in one little right <laughs> quick <laughs> sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Be willing to hear no.
1: Um, you know the fundamentals of marketing as far as like uh, you know, logo creation, you know, there's, there's websites like Fiverr and stuff like that. So you can, you can get competent graphic work and, and, uh, and, and promo materials and stuff like that, you know, relatively cheap, you know, um, and, and, and still have some, you know, uh, control over the, over the creative, uh, process there. Uh, you know, but all of that, you know, while it's, it, it, I don't know that it's necessary, but it definitely helps, you know, to create a brand and a, and a look and, um, and a cohesive brand. But, uh, at the end of the day, you can have all of those things in place, but the, but the, the network that you have and how hard you're hustling will, will certainly get you a lot farther.
0: Absolutely. Okay. You want to move on to some real talk? Real talk. Some real, some for real, for real talk.
1: Uh, okay, like, I'm a little scared, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like doubly real.
0: Uh, so I, you know, like I said, I kind of scoured the internet and just kind of watched some interviews and pulled some clips that I liked and brought them in. So the first one I have is from Carl Cox. It's uh, an oh, inter- yes, oh yes, so oh, oh, yes, oh, yes yes. <laughs> This is from a 2014 interview on Grammy.com, and he talks about the legacy of EDM and uh, also supporting up-and-coming DJs.
2: I just got interested in it straight away. My family coming from Barbados, they had this energy or sound of, of calypso music and soca music, so I suppose my roots of kind of house and techno music comes right back from Barbadian roots. I really, I think it was a natural path for me to take where it it was something that I wanted to do myself. You know, the ethos of clubbing has changed a lot, you know, and and of course where we are now, what what it was like back in the day, I mean, when, when I used to go out, I was exactly the same age as the people that was coming to the club. Things have to change and things have to move on and this is where we are now with the whole, you know, electronic dance movement. But it's not a bad place to be in the end of the day. I think it's, it's something which has evolved into something in, you know, where we've ended up in the 21st century. I mean, in the early days of a mobile phone, you had a big car battery and a big <laughs> big hand, uh, handheld uh, uh, receiver. And then that's how you connected with people. Well, now you've, you've got a whole thing in your hand. You can watch movies. You can Skype your mum. You can do whatever you like with these things. Uh, it's just evolution. It's just the way that it's gone. We have guys and girls that are not invite to my arena. Um, me being fortunate enough to, to, to go around and to hear them in their own environment, uh, I want to bring that to the table. I want people to see that it's not just me that's basically running this show. There's people who are com- up and coming. You're gonna see them in two or three years' time in their own right, been able to have their own stages in, in, in festivals or, or basically do their own club nights. Uh, I just love their energy. I've always been behind. The next, the next talent or the next person coming through. I think it's really important that you support that, that kind of thing, because it keeps the movement going. You know, I, I might be here forever, so I'm going to have to have a whole bunch of people that i brought through and, uh, and and they can carry on the legacy of what i believed in, in them in the first place. And I think it's really important for people to see that there is still young, up-and-coming talent that, that are making you know some of the best music I've ever heard, and here they are. So that, that's the way how I bring them to the table. I still like the idea that I can still make my own music and, and run my own record label in Tech Digital. Um, and I still love the idea that people still are into what I believe And that's basically me playing the best music possible.
1: Three thoughts. Go for it. (laughs) One, I had no idea he was from Barbados. (laughs) If anybody's ever been to the Caribbean, then they know that, like, each of the Caribbean islands, like, have like their own like attitude and style and all of that. And I I haven't had the opportunity to go to Barbados yet, but I have been to Curaçao and some other, Mm. some of the others and like Curaçao, especially like, has that very Caribbean meets rave culture. Like the, uh, okay. the first night that I was there, like there was literally a rave in the street. Like, just, <laughs> what? Oh street yeah. Rave. Yeah. Full on like, awesome. uh, uh, like, you know, Caribbean flavored house techno kind huh. of thing going on. And it was the local radio station that was throwing the party. Like, wow. Oh yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. So two was, I love the fact that he's of the f- frame of mind that, you know, yeah, th- there's 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 a certain love that you will always have for, you know, a particular time period when things, you know, when you come up or when, you know, you've, you, have everybody has got that thing. And if you don't have that yet, you're probably going through it now. Like, you know, most likely people in their like teen, uh, upper teens, early twenties and uh, up to mid twenties, you know, whatever, like that's your time, right. That's your right. prime. And a lot of people don't, re- uh, people, especially in that age range don't realize that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I sure as hell didn't. Right. But like now, you know all you see when you're that age or you know people in their 30s and 40s that are like ah you know things were so much better back and <laughs> blah 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 and you know but what what's happening there is this you know conflict of, of people who just don't have the frame of reference of the other you know mm-hmm. the older people all you know mm-hmm. like to think that you know things were better back in their day and younger people are like, ah, shut up old person, you know, like (laughs) things are awesome now. And, and the, the, the answer is that's actually both, you know? So like for him to say that, you know, like, you know, uh, to, to try to wrap it up succinctly, right. Is that times change, change with the times, but you know, always remember where you came from and and have that love for that. And so I I really love that, that sentiment that he, that he threw out there. And three is that, you know, supporting up and comer. It's something that we do not do well here in the States. You know, there's, you know, we, we've got a, of an ultra capitalistic (laughs) society as some people like to think, but you know, it's truth is a little bit muddier than that, but (laughs) you know, but in the spirit of the whole, you know, like dog eat dog world, you know, we do not do very well with supporting other DJs in our in in our scene you know it's it's always you know how can I get to that next level you know and who do I I mean whether it's I gotta step on somebody or somebody else has to lose out or whatever and once certain people you know I'm not saying that nobody brings up you know somebody up underneath them but we're just especially bad at it you know whereas notoriously like the Netherlands, I, you know, you hear about the Netherlands all the time when a new DJ or producer in the Netherlands makes it, then they bring half a dozen, you know, up Mm. the, up the ladder with them. And, you know, that's, that's just something we don't do well here.
0: Do you think that, uh, the, the, the next generation of, of dance music, uh, influencers, I guess. So in other words, the, (sighs) I don't know. Maybe anybody newer than Skrillex that's really blown up. Um, do you think that they're going to have that kind of desire to to sort of pass the torch, like like Carl Cox was talking about? Because I I do feel like DJs of 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 that heyday, Carl Cox's sure. you know age, uh, did have some of that like wanting to pass the torch thing, right? Um, and and care about preservation of the craft and make sure that this thing carries on, but. What, what concerns me now is that, you know, it, it's a whole different world now. Yeah. And so technologically and, and, you know, with social media and just everything is it has a little bit different feel to it. And so I, I wonder, this might just be my American influence coming in on it, but sure. I, I wonder if if that will only get worse because it's kind of like, if you want to do what you want to do, you can find whoever you want and go do it. You know, right, and right, as right. opposed to hey, let's let's build an an underground, and we'll come back to that word later. But yeah. uh, let, you know, let's build a little thing here, and and once we get to a certain point, let's let's mentor <laughs> the people <laughs> that are coming up and want to do this. Right. Yeah, but it, I don't know. I guess the reason I'm I'm kind of all over the this question, but what concerns me is that it seems like there's there's often a divide between older and younger DJs yeah. here yeah. anyway. Yeah. I, I I wonder if that's only going to get worse.
1: <laughs> I, I would imagine so. Cool. You know, because at this point, you know, because of what or because of how the American scene has, you know, changed after, you know, between I'd say like 2006 or seven onward, you know, there was there was just so much drastic change. And, and yeah. to your point, I mean, like so now everything is like. Ultra festival, everything, you know, right. and, and just it, it almost seems like we're all just sucking at the teat just to try to, you know, milk this thing dry. And
0: as opposed to preserving DJing as an art form. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. Because and and part of that is, you know, that we had the rise of the producer DJ rather than the yeah. DJ producer. You know, and I think we covered some of that in a, in a previous uh, episode. Um, the... The, the short version being that a producer DJ is a producer who became a DJ because they wrote a hit song or something. Right. Right. <laughs> Versus the DJ producer who is a DJ who wrote some tracks that, you know, goes that, you know, and, and integrates that into their set. Um, you know, it, it's, it's the same thing, but it's very different, you know? So, yeah. it, it, you know, just a nuance there, but you know, as, as the rise of the producer DJ started to take over, then the craft actually changed here, you know, it's, and, and, you know, a little bit for the better, you know, but I don't want to call it for worse, but it's, it's definitely different and not the same.
0: it's, it's something that I, I hope to, to, to contribute to with this show is kind of being able to talk about all these things and, uh, for posterity's sake, talk about what's happening in the scene right now, and what DJs are doing, and what happened ten years ago, right. like you know our ten years ago episode, and and talk about like where all this stuff comes from, uh, you know why beat matching was so crucial (laughs) and why, you know, all these things that, uh, you know, maybe Skrillex's grandkids wouldn't have any clue about otherwise, you know, not saying that we're single-handedly carrying the torch here or anything, but that is one goal of this show, I think is to, to really, we're all passionate DJs as in we're passionate about DJing, not just.
1: mixing the first 32 to the last 32 right right. yeah or
0: (laughs) or whatever and we're we're not even you know it's it's not passionate party com, which i this is probably a way different kind of website but (laughs) (laughs) but you know what i mean like we as far as the art form goes sorry (laughs) it's okay as far as the art art form goes uh, i hope we can at least uh help pass the torch along right, to, to right. younger people or, or people who find this uh, 10 years from now. Right, know? right, right. Our next clip is from uh, Red Bull Music Academy 2013. And by the way, we'll provide links to all these uh, interviews or clips in the show notes of this episode. This one's from Richie Houghton, and he talks about feeling lost.
4: Yeah, I never felt like... I'm sure I definitely felt lost at points. I never felt like I wanted to quit. Um you know, I think one of the hardest moments for me was in 95, 96, after the second Plastic Man album, and everybody was like, you know, Plastic Man, everyone was talking about me. I would, like, started to get a little uh, uh, a taste of people recognizing me, and it was like, well, you know, what is this all about? Uh, you know, I, why do I have to do another Plastic Man album now? What, and that, that means I just have to, plug it the 303 in, it's always going to sound like it. was. It was really uninspiring. So at that point, um, actually, in, in, in retrospect, at that point, I had some problems with the US. I like wasn't able to come into the country. Um, and so it kind of pushed me to kind of re-evaluate where I was. So I went into the studio. I turned all my 303s off. I decided I would only use three pieces of equipment. And I was going to release a record every month for one year, um, which... You know, lost some of my fans, but it gave me a time uh, time uh, to experiment and kind of find my you know uh, you know realignment. Um, I guess another point, like in '98, you know, after running uh, Plus Eight Records for eight years with uh, John Aquaviva, it became this huge company, and uh, you know, we sat down at one point, and I was like, Are "You having fun?" And he was like, "No, this sucks." You know, it was like, "I'm we're businessmen." And so we basically, you know, kind of closed plus eight. We kind of we took it back off ice later, but you know, it's um, you know, it's just like that hobby that's turned into a career. And why I said about doing so many different projects all over the place. Um, you know, my harebrained project is my love of Japanese sake, probably right now, uh, which is a small industry, which is very much like the. Um, uh, independent record industry you know so I, I see all these parallels so that i put part of my energy over there that inspires me re-energizes me which goes back into you know spending hours with a, a new piece of equipment and uh, it just kind of continues so i guess the point is yeah you get lost no i never felt like giving up i just like okay i'm not having fun what do i do to have fun again you know leave from New York, go to Berlin, spend a couple of crazy summers on Ibiza with Sven Veit and the Cocoon Posse. That was fun and that re-energized me. I was also lost a little bit but it was really <laughs> fucking fun. I believe
5: there's some so, videos <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's
4: um, it's a whole lifestyle. This is what I do and uh, um, I'm lucky to be surrounded by really cool, you know, inspired friends and individuals and, and meeting always new people. So, I have a lot of energy, so it's cool.
0: <laughs> so one thing that I, I relate to out of that clip is how he kind of touches on finding inspiration in other places external to DJing. Right. Um, so I that's definitely something that I do, is that, I mean, do you have, like, other sources of inspiration oh, yeah. that are, like, not related to DJing, but then you're like,
4: oh,
1: that
0: gives me an idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And it always comes from, like, a, a, a completely off the wall place, like, you know, just the most unexpected places. And, uh, for me, it's, it's, you know, I'll be sitting at work, you know, and that's the most uninspiring place ever, right? (laughs) Like, but like, you know, sometimes in my line of work, you know, your mind tends to drift a little bit, you Mm -hmm. know, so you start to lose yourself in something and okay. I just, I, you know, snap the fingers. Okay, I got, I got to, you know, focus myself or whatever. So I'm just gonna take ten minutes and, you know, go for a walk, go grab a cup Trip of coffee. Works or... in the
0: experimental drug treatment <laughs> industry.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I kid, I
1: kid. But uh, you know, and then it's like on my way to the coffee machine and all of a sudden I start hearing a beat in my head mm. or, you know, in it or, you know, or as I'm listening to music, you know, throughout my day and then all of a sudden I'll get an idea off of something that I heard, yeah. you know, in, in a playlist somewhere or, you know, when I'm driving on my way to or from work and it's just, it, it, you know that you just never know when that's gonna when that's gonna yeah. hit you for sure.
0: Sometimes I'll get it from uh, reading something, mm-hmm. yep. you know. So I don't even have to hear anything necessarily. I'll I've like read a, something I'm like,
1: oh, "Oh, I've got a perfect example of that." Okay. Um, I wrote a track called "Get Real," um, and uh, that one was um, totally inspired by the Velveteen Rabbit. No kidding. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> what is real? Does it mean having things that person inside you? Real
4: isn't how you are made. It's a thing that happened.
6: doesn't happen often to people who break easily.
0: That, that's interesting because i did a whole a whole thing based or like my old artist name was the snark yeah. which was a uh, lewis carroll okay. uh, thing you know yeah. so uh you know alice in wonderland right uh, right through the looking glass and stuff and yeah. so i started naming all my tracks after lewis carroll stuff through the looking glass that's, was one track
1: and yeah. yeah that's kind of funny yeah um And if anybody's interested, it is for sale. Hey! (laughs) Beatport.com. And in in the show notes. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Sometimes also uh, just seeing what what other people are doing, even if it has nothing to do with DJing, will inspire me. So like uh, I see how a a blogger promotes something or I see how a a business person puts something together or I see how an artist paints something. And it's just like... there's some parallel that I can relate it to with DJing. And I'm like, Oh, if I apply that concept to music, then I can do the same kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly.
1: One thing that really resonated with me, uh, in that clip though, is, you know, somebody as massive as Richie Houghton talking about how he gets lost, you Mm -hmm. know, and, 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 you know, for so many of us who have not ever and may never reached that that level of artistry and success that uh that Richie has you know that to hear that 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 makes it real you know uh, he is right. human after all right right, right. <laughs> um but you know it's so relatable i mean myself you know i'm almost 40 years old and you know i've been djing since uh, wow uh you know, I was 20 maybe, I think when I started. So, um, you know, and in all of that time, there's been so many DJs that I've seen come and go, come and go, come Mm. and go. And I have always stuck with it, you know, because I love it. It's not anything that I ever thought, you know, uh, I'll just give it up, you know, or whatever. There have been times where, I've been lost or or that has been uninspiring. I have not been interested in it. Right. And it's just, you know, there's been, you know, entire year that my turntables, you know, are collecting dust on the dust covers. Like, I I think that's part
0: of being a passionate DJ. Absolutely. It's, it it doesn't mean that you're 100% almost about to orgasm whenever you think about DJing, (laughs) right? right? right, Like there are times when things are going to suck and, or you're going to play an empty room or you're just not going to feel it or whatever it is. Yep. And apparently that scales all the way up to Richie Houghton. And yeah, to hear him say that is like, and his reaction to that was to change up his right, you know, what he was doing, right? And instead of like, uh, screw it, I'm just DJing's dumb and, and just being jaded and accepting that right. and becoming complacent, you know, he okay, how can I have fun again? How can I do this in the way I want because I'm passionate about this and I'm not feeling that right, right. now, right?
1: Now. Richie, being Richie, gets to go and spend a couple of months in Ibiza sure, to, right. like, to to remedy that.
0: You know, I'm going to go start a line of sake while in in my downtime. <laughs> oh, it, right? Yeah, we now, don't all have those opportunities. Right? To but, be fair, but
1: you know, but to scale it down, you know, back down to our level, you know, but you can go on a vacation and you can take a break from DJing and you can like. You know, focus on something else, you know, so whether it's, you know, creating your own line of sake or, you know, getting into some gardening or, you know, just uh, bowling or, you know, just finding something else to, you know, kind of divert your attention a little bit, let you kind of get rounded back out and then come back to it with a fresh set of eyes and ears
0: or even under the DJing umbrella. It's like, okay, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I'm going to try to learn how to scratch or I'm going to try to, uh, I'm going to start mixing in key or whatever it is that you're not doing, doing then that maybe appeals to you. Right. You know, that would be a good time to do it because why not?
1: Right. Or even something, you know, that, that it, that you're not even touching DJing itself, but it's something that can help you further. So you know maybe learning how to you know just some basic photoshop skills you know right. and stuff like that so, or or you know social media uh, uh uh social media marketing and stuff like that that you can spend some time and learn that as a skill and then when you come back to djing well now that's another skill set that you have to augment your mm. djing uh pursuit
0: i know personally and this is probably just like a personality trait thing but uh, for me, it's if I have a a project that I'm working towards, I have all the inspiration in the world. Like right. it's like I don't seem to run out. If I if I've decided like I'm going to create this uh, concept studio mix that's based on blah 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 blah. Right. Then once I have that in my head, I kind of obsess over it, and yeah, it's, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like it's like self feeding. Right. Right. <laughs> inspiration. Um, or you know, I'm going to start a radio show, or I'm going to createpassionatedj.com, uh, you know create passionate for right. example. That was, you know, that was kind of my um I, I want to do something DJ related but that kind of helps me spread out a little bit and, and learn more about it and really dig into the guts of DJing and right, and that right. kind of stuff and that's that's where the the original blog came from for passionatedj.com because you know? yeah, that's
1: an important uh, uh, that, that's an important bullet point for a lot of people that if they if, if they've never heard us say that say this before, you know, we don't claim to be gurus right, like right. none of us are national headliners. you know the closest to that is Tony and he's been doing international direct support you know for sure but you know none of us are you know regularly touring and and making you know hundreds of thousands of dollars and doing right. all of that stuff like we are literally just people who are passionate about djing you know regardless of what level we're doing it at right exactly
0: the next clip comes from DJ Jazzy Jeff yeah this comes from DJ City TV this was from a 2013 interview and he talks about sort of staying relevant and uh, the evolution of the industry.
7: As a DJ who carried crates, you know, we didn't carry one type of music in a crate. I came up in a time that it wasn't a hip hop DJ and it wasn't a house DJ. You were just a DJ and your job was to play all kinds of music. So whether I'm carrying crates or carrying files, I have to kind of take the same approach. I don't really listen to music or really get into it for the fad of it. You know, I kind of got upset, you know, when the whole electronic music got big and I knew DJs that were really big hip hop DJs all of a sudden start saying, I don't play hip hop anymore. Um, and I always kind of thought that the, the, the idea of a good DJ wasn't to take music away, was to add music in. You know, I could never see myself say that I don't play this anymore. You know, if it's a good kind of music, especially if it's not a fad music, you know, it's gonna be good 20 years from now and I'll play it 20 years from now. I think the, the rise in popularity of dance music has created so much awareness to DJs. You know, I know there's a lot of real DJs that don't really like the association, but what they have to understand is that association is the reason why everybody in the world wants to be a DJ today. So, you know, it's kind of like the gift and the curse, but, you know, never in a million years did I think that this much attention will be paid to the DJ. This was supposed to be the time that Run DMC and LL Cool J would own Vegas. You know what I mean? And now it's you know, that's basically DJ Central. I have not gotten to a point that I can do without the turntable. And I've tried everything. I've tried everything, and there's some stuff out there that I really like. But, you know, I I need my turntable. How much of being a DJ is about your equipment? Um, you know, and, and, and you battle with that a lot of times. It's, you know, I think... I, me, personally, I think there's a, a, a cutoff point where... It needs to be another title instead of a DJ. And, you know, especially in my era where, you know, I don't know any DJ that got into DJing that had anything to do with money. You know, you did it for girls. You did it because it was something cool to do. You did it for the same reason that you would go out in the park and play basketball. You know, and now you have some DJs that, you know, from the door at 12 years old, they're looking at, how much dead mouse is getting, and I think that changes the quality of the DJs also. You know, to me, it's the same thing with everything. It, you know, it shot up like a rocket, it's gonna go down, it's gonna level off, you know, just like it did 20 years ago. This is the same thing, you know, that happened to the music industry, you know? It's, you know, it's gonna go back to the people who are willing to get in a van and go across the country and show people what they can actually do. You gotta always remain a student, you know? Um, I, I still geek out over new DJs and new technology and new styles and new ways that they play music and you know a lot of that is just remaining a fan and not looking at it like you know oh man I've been around for so long I know everything and I you know it's, it's, I learn new stuff every day. You always got to remain a student and that's the only way that you're going to have any chance of remaining relevant. Hmm.
0: Always remain a student. I like that.
1: Yeah. We've, we've mentioned that before. I think, uh, recently, as recently as, uh, the 13 things every new DJ should know, uh, episode. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that too.
3: That was was good. Um,
0: yeah. I, I think it's cool because this really shows, you know, you, you can tell that, that Jazzy Jeff is passionate about DJing, right? Because he talks about, i've seen this blow up i've seen it level off i've seen it blow again it's gonna level off again right and the the people who win are going to be the people who are willing to get in the the van and go out and hustle right <laughs> cats van bags yo <laughs> I, just, I thought that was pretty cool because he's he's been in this long enough to to have seen that and to be right. able to to see all that um now this interview came out in 2013 do you Do you think we're on the other side of that bubble yet, or do you think that is it even, can we even call it a bubble? You know we've talked about this a little bit because of the way the landscape has changed yeah. and everybody being able to find anything that they want, you right. know w- with their smart device in right. their pocket. Um, you know that it's kind of a different thing. but do you do you think that like as far as uh, Djing as a trend, are are we on the other side of that yet that curve are we coming down or is it still blowing up i find it hard to tell
1: uh, yeah for me it's it, it's definitely harder to tell because you know we're we're not in any position where we can put our finger on the pulse of you know some macro metadata right, right? but I, I i i feel like we're probably on the other side of the bell like it, it i don't know how many people are coming in um, at, at any rate, but it just, uh, it, you know, they've been talking about this, you know, in blogs and articles and, yeah. and stuff like that for a while that, that, you know, have we seen the peak and, uh, I, I, I don't know if I, if I had to just go off of my gut, I would say that we're probably on the downward slope, but we're, we're still pretty high up. Like it, because I remember, from personal experience, I remember when the Rave Act, you know, effectively killed most of the raving, you know, here in the early 2000s. And I, I saw a lot of DJs, you know, just fall out, you know, because none of us were making any money anymore. And it was, you know, okay, I got to do something else to survive. Um, but, you know, those of us that stuck it out, you know, then we watched, you know, as more DJs came in at, at, at you know, in, in the later years after, you know, it, at things had plateaued on the mm. other on the bottom end, you know, so I, I can relate to that as far as what Jeff was saying there. But um, yeah, I, I, it just if I had to go off of a gut, I would say yeah. we're, pro- we're probably we're probably going to start seeing the decline, um, which You know, for me, that that's a little bittersweet because it's it's really awesome when you've got, you know, so much attention around this thing that you love, Um, but then it's also kind of it kind of sucks when you go into play at a club and a third to a half of the club (laughs) are other DJs that
0: are. And you know, the 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 curve could be, uh, it could be based around interest in preserving DJing as an art form, not interest in going out to clubs or festivals or whatever. So, you know, and, and from that perspective, I mean, I, I don't imagine I'm ever going to lose interest. I mean, yeah. Not be interested in mixing music regardless of the state of the international scene. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm in Facebook groups of uh, old unheard of video games with like 150 other people in the entire world who still know what this game is right you know and we we all know who each other is in the group and that and that's we all have this one little bond and if if it got all the way down to that little <laughs> tiny little bit of people i'd still be doing it so which is you know completely that that's never going to happen it's never going right, to get to that right, right, right but it just well we hope not. taking it to the extreme <laughs> to make a point right yeah. like we, we still here <laughs>
1: <laughs> right right
0: uh, but you know and the other thing is we could be entirely wrong we you know this could uh shoot up rocket up even further well you know?
1: and and you know that that's an excellent point because we never know what is on the on the edge of the technology right like yeah. a lot of a lot of the um advances in technology keeps making this a lot more um affordable and accessible yeah. for a lot of people you know you don't i mean you know much to my chagrin of course but like you don't have to know how to beat match you don't have to know how to do a lot of the things that you know were skill based barriers to djing you know yeah. or uh, you know early on um so the the more that it becomes easier to do and you know like with technology i think you know we've we've talked about um uh, smart devices, you mm-hmm. know, it, it being able to do things on your phone and tablets and all of that stuff, like the, the more accessible that that becomes to the general public and people, you know, go from, you know, just little novelty apps to this is fully functioning DJ software and that, you know, will continue to get more and more complicated and people will grow with that. So, yeah. uh, you know, the definition of DJ might actually just have to change, yeah. you know, in order to, uh, to really properly gauge the interest and, you know, how many people are, are actually in it. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, um, I, I, I will say that I think the, the landscape will change because of technology and that'll continue to happen. Um, in, in a couple of ways, I think that, Uh, we'll see a lot more like remote and virtual kinds of concepts because I think VR will play a huge role, um, augmented reality, all that kind of stuff that we're kind of at the the forefront of technologically. Uh, I think a lot of that stuff will continue to play a role. Uh, it will take a greater role because one thing that, that does seem to be happening is people are, uh, they tend to stay home more than they used to as right. far when they're of going out age. Yep. That's uh, there've been studies on this, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, you know, a lot of people would prefer to, to stay home and, and Netflix and chill or, or do whatever, you know, they have complete control of their night and there's so many options and you can kind of do whatever you want now. Right. Right. <laughs> that a lot of people are, are taking that option as opposed to say going clubbing. So, which is expensive, which is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, and,
1: it, I mean, you know, going out to any club, That, you know, has a door cover and or, you know, you know, drink prices that, you know, are sometimes four, five, eight, ten times more than what it would cost you to just buy the bottle and pour them yourself. Like, Yeah. yeah, I mean...
0: Yeah, and you know, I don't, I don't know what the future of all that technology is, but I, I bet it's going to have an effect one way or another. Sure. And I bet there are going to be some pursuits into those technologies from the DJ side because we've, I mean, we've already yeah. seen a lot of that. For uh, there have been DJs in Second Life for years who have made money, you know, playing in a virtual world. That's already happened. Right. right. We've got people on Twitch, you know, playing for tips That's and making exactly money. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is, you, know, you
1: know, between Twitch and and Facebook uh, live streaming and all of that stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, there are a lot of DJs that, you know, between podcasts and all of those other things like, you know, there's a lot of focus on how many of those, how how many people can I get to listen to me or watch me play in this virtual environment rather than, you know, getting out there and, and playing, you know, physically in front of people.
0: So, we're still going to need DJs when we all jack into the Matrix, too. So right. You can build whatever sound system you want that for free, and it'll be amazing. <laughs> right. I know Kung Fu. Uh, this actually kind of segs well into the next clip. This one's from Z Trip. It's from about the same time, 2013. Okay. And uh, if you've ever had uh, a serious satellite radio, this is from uh, Sway in the Morning on ah, Shade okay. 45. And uh, he talks about the uh, preservation of the craft.
8: You know, you, you, you are a DJ's DJ, uh, and we often sit up here. I mean, we're purists, so we, sometimes we have to withhold our true thoughts on things we discuss here musically. Sure. You know, we don't want to be, consider, be considered haters or whatever people. Mm-hmm. When you got an opinion and you know the truth behind craft, mm-hmm. sometimes if you express it too much, people tend to, you know, they, they alienate themselves from you. You know true, what I mean? True. But how do you feel about uh, the DJ scene right now? And, you know, and I always want to ask a guy like you. was You use Serato now, but sure. how do you feel about, like, a lot of the celebrity
9: DJs that come in the game? And You know, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. Because on one hand, you know, as a DJ, you want to push the craft. You want people to get exposed to it. You want people to get uh, into it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You want to you want to turn new people onto it. So the way I look at it, some of these people, man, that just got a computer and got, a, a, you know, a, a library of music, they're just coming to it early. They're coming to it. They're in their infant stages. So mm-hmm. I can't really hate on them if they're just learning to walk. Yeah. In five years, if they're still walking the same way, I'll go in. You'll go but, there. but you know what I mean? Like, you got to give them a little slack. But at the same time, you know, I also want to I promote the craft of this. I study it. You know what I mean? I came up rocking records. I, rock Serato now. It's cool. But I do this, and I and I covet it so much that I'm not really trying to see, like, laymen take it and, and just mess it up. Because mm-hmm. all these guys, like, the thing that— I will say this, the thing I hate the most is going to shows and watching these dudes. I like, I go to watch and listen, yeah. but when you go to listen, you watch these guys. There's some guys who just hit a couple buttons and stand up there with their hands in the air. And jump around. And that shit kills me, man, because, I mean, really, if you're a DJ and your hands are in the air, that's the crowd's job, man. Yeah. Your hands need to be on the fucking <laughs> equipment, you know yeah, what I right? mean? Yeah. So when I sit in and watch these guys, and they're just up there smoking cigarettes with their hands in the air, I'm just like, really, <laughs> you know, ain't nobody doing shit, right? Yeah, right. So I hate on that a little bit, but, you know, at the same time, um. I'm just hoping, man, in the next five years, people start to learn how to walk instead of crawl mm-hmm. with this, you know.
8: So the EDM DJs that are making millions a year, you know, uh, Tiesto or uh, Swedish House Mafia or or the Steve Aoki's of the game, how do you feel about those DJs?
9: It's tough because I mean, you know, I can't hate on them for doing what they're doing. They're making mm-hmm. their money and they're and they're they're playing to these people who are actually um, into it. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. if the people don't give a shit. Then I can't really front on them for like I'm not trying to like be up there you know showing the craft. If you guys just really want to do drugs and dance around in music and see flashy lights and shit, so if that's what it is, then go in on it. Fuck it, you know. If you if 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 the if the highlight of your show is getting on a raft and fucking you know. White raver rafting or whatever they call it. That's cool. Do that shit. Do it. Do it. I'm not gonna hate I on it. Is that really him? what it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's, that's really amazing. yeah, yeah. Go, Google amazing. that shit. Google Lee Scratch Perry. Then Google, Google that shit. <laughs> White, White raver rafting.
8: rafting. <laughs>
1: White
9: raver, raver rafting. rafting. Yo,
1: but
8: I, I, I might be guilty, but I, I I've been to a show and
6: saw that and. I, I kinda had a good time though. Yeah, nah. It's I mean, I think that's what it is. It promotes yeah. a really good time, but I yeah. I, I think Z trip's like really nailing it. It's like it's tough because it's getting less about the craft and less about the art and less about the music and more about like the drugs and the yeah, fun. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. cool. There's a time and a place for it, but it's just like you don't want to see the talent and, and the the appreciation that we have for the, the art and the music and everything to to dwindle. You don't want right. that to mm-hmm. become the least important part. That's like
9: Damn, you know? I think You know what it is I think though I think we're in like The disco age You know what I yeah, mean yeah. Like this is what it is People just go to the club They want to dance around They want it to be fast they don't, Everyone's on fucking coke And red bull And right. shit They're going fast <laughs> Everyone wants to go fast it's true. You know There's going to be A backlash to this There's going to be Another chronic album Or some shit That's going to come out mm-hmm. Maybe that's what Dre's waiting for He's like yeah. Yo I just wait For the curve yeah. And I'm going to Drop an album on him Everyone's going to Get high again And slow down <laughs>
1: Wow. White raver
0: rafting.
9: White raver rafting. <laughs> I you know
1: this this clip is from what? 2013. Yeah. I have never heard that but it's fucking amazing. Dude, I love I busted it. out laughing when he said that. <laughs> like heaven at Christmas. Uh
0: so he he seems to think that we're in kind of a new disco era. Yeah.
1: I for for so I, I love and respect the hell out of Z trip. Like, period. Like he it, like Sway started off, you know, saying, you are a DJ's DJ. And yeah. that is true. He is. Right. Um, you know, and it's like he said, he can't hate on, you know, people who are doing their thing and blah, 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 and all of that, but you know it's also you got to kind of look at it in an apples and oranges kind of way yeah D, uh, there there's there's different dj's for different purposes you know we've we've covered this i don't know how many times
6: right you
1: know so like you know when you take people like z trip and cubert and Craze and you know all of the and and even somebody that's been on the show here before vect you know you take people who have this amazing you know skill that they've developed, you know, and, and they're able to take, you know, all of these different forms of music, you know, like Jazzy Jeff was saying in the last, in the last clip. And, uh, I think we've actually talked about a track before, you know, with Mm -hmm. his diverse music selection and all of that, all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, those are a different level of DJ and that's what they aspired to. And that is like the pinnacle of the craft that we talk about. Right. Sure. I'm not that kind of DJ, But that doesn't make me any less passionate or even it like it's 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 a different thing because it's like he said, you know, they were they were saying it in jest and kind of poking at the whole thing. right? Right. But like, you know, so when you're talking about your David Guetta's and your Steve Aoki's and all of that stuff and, you know, oh, if all you want to do is go to a party and do a bunch of drugs and, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, they kind of belittled it there. But. I mean, there's a market for that, right? So Yeah.
0: So well, and he does admit that in, in right, the clip, and, right. and he kind of gives similar sentiments uh, that uh, DJ Craze gave in our interview, right. you know, where he says, you yeah, know, I used to really hate on this, but, I, you know, being honest, I can't because they're giving them what they want and there's a market for it. Right.
1: But, you know, so if you're going to... We get some jabs in there, too. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, we get our jabs in all the sure, time sure. because, you know, even when you... You know, they are kind of the pinnacle, you know, when we're talking about those kinds of DJs, you know, those are kind of the pinnacle of what we all... skill-based? Yeah, well, on on the opposite end, you know, those are, you know, guys that just kind of show up, they play, you know, an hour or two's worth of their own edits, and they just mix the last 32 to the first 32, and yeah, they're smoking cigarettes and hands in the air and jumping on tables and throwing cakes and all of that, you know... But you know, it's a good time. It is what it is. You know. So then, there's the rest of us that are somewhere in between, <laughs> near the polar opposites <laughs> right, of right. that spectrum, right? And um, you know, so I, 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 I'm not entirely sure where I was going with all of that. But like, I just think that's an important distinction. Yeah, to make, absolutely. That when we're talk when we're when we're listening to somebody like Z Trip, who is up at that at that upper Uh, end of of the skill based DJing um, you know that's just an important concept to keep in mind
0: right this there's a scale here right there's a there's a middle ground between Z trip and uh, what he's talking about (laughs) yeah right (laughs) okay this this next clip is a little bit different this is from Sasha and it comes from The Edge Video Magazine. This is from 1992. Whoa. So if you're a Sasha fan, please go to the show notes and watch this because you're going <laughs> to enjoy wow. this. Uh, this looks like ancient footage at this point. <laughs> yeah, no and kidding. This Sasha with long hair and just <laughs> you know, a young guy. And the, it, I mean, it's like, you know, fresh out of the 80s. So like all the uh, the transitions between scenes and stuff right. are like 80s-tastic. And wow. <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome to watch. He's got hair down to his shoulders and... It's but, amazing. Uh, he talks about uh, how
1: did you find this to dig I, you this too, up? Man. Yeah, I just <laughs> everything's out there. Yeah. Huh?
0: Um, so he talks about uh, the most important aspect of uh, of the club or playing in the club and uh, also about miming a live PA. So it's kind of interesting to hear this perspective. Let me play this for you.
10: So the atmosphere is important to you then? Well, the atmosphere... I mean, the atmosphere is the most important thing about a club. It doesn't matter whether mm. you've got the best sound system or the best lights or the best yeah. DJs. It's, you know, it's, it's down to the people that come in and whether they have a good time. And, you know, th- that is the most important thing about a club is, is that when people go out to a night, you know, at the end of the night, they, they've all had a really good night, and, you know, and everyone's happy. That is the most important thing. Basically, I mean, I've got a whole sort of concept for the album. It's not just... It's like... It just appalls me when, I go, when I'm DJing at a club and a PA comes on and they've got three tracks on that and they come on and they, 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 mime, to, they mime to their three tracks, get their grand at the end of the gig and, and go home. You know, I want to take, I want to take that. I, want to, I basically want to take a live concert feel into the clubs because nobody really does it successfully. Basically, all I can see in, say, eight months' time that I'd be doing what I'm doing now, you know, putting nights on where, like, mm-hmm. it would be... Um, I would be DJing, but at various points in the night, like I, I would say, set the decks up on the stage, and at various points in the night, I would actually mix my own music into the music that's running. The whole night would be a constant sort of PA, and I think it would just be so exciting for people on the dance floor yeah. just to be there, thinking, "Yeah, you know, what's going to happen next?" You never know what to expect. Exactly. You know, it's, I think it would it would take DJing and PAing onto a, onto another level. I'm so, I'm really surprised no one else has done it. I mean, people like C&C when they DJ have keyboards set up and like they'll do things like they'll drop acapellas and uh david cole will get on the keys and start jamming underneath it and it's just when you actually see that in a club it's just so heavy
0: so i thought it was pretty interesting that he talked about it makes me sick to see people miming their live pa sets and then collect their grand at the end of the night wow that sounds really familiar (laughs) to what we talk about with djing (laughs) all the time Um, I think he nailed his concept though. Yeah. <laughs> eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: that was 1992. You Two. Said? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'd say, you know, 25 years later, like I
0: just, I thought that sounded kind of familiar. That yeah. Was interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, it, that was just it felt like uh, a time capsule. There I was yeah. <laughs> it'll feel even more so if you watch the actual clip.
1: Well, and and especially there in the beginning when he's talking about like the atmosphere and how yes. important that is in in the club setting, and and he
0: got that way before any of us did. <laughs>
1: right, right, and and it's and it's really neat how even at the festival level, you know, like today, you know, everything is such an overproduction, right? Right. But it's all born out of that idea, you know. What what separates five festivals from each other? It's not really the lineup, mm. you know, because any one of the each one of those five can have, you know, completely unique lineups in terms of the names on the flyer. But they're Though all they probably won't. Right. They most likely will not. But they're all going to be very similar because they're, you know, they're all going to represent whatever music that they, for the crowd that they're supposed to, you know, uh, cater to. Right. So you could have five different festivals, very similar lineups, if not the same lineup, but what is going to set all of those apart? It's the experience, Mm -hmm. you know, there's like electric forest is, is a, is a prime example. The Detroit, um, electronic music festival movement, you know, all like all of those things that go into a festival, you know, everything from the decor, to the marketing, to the vendors, to the food, you know, to, you know, is, or is there camping or is it not right. camp? like,
0: and those are uniquely different experiences from like Tomorrowland or Burning right. Man or whatever. Right.
1: Right. So, you know, getting the atmosphere right and trying to get, um, the, the event goers experience to be unique is, is so that, that is what they latch on to and want to come back to year after year after year. Like it's the same thing that we were all doing in the, in the, at least, you know, I didn't come in until, you know, mid to late nineties, you know, but that's what we were all constantly going for. Like there were certain clubs we went to because the music was right. The, the, you know, the drink prices were right. The door cover was right and all of those things were right. But it was really the experience that kept us coming back, you know, the people that were there, the music that was playing and, and the environment that it went, once you were there, it felt like home, you mm-hmm. know, as, yeah. as silly as that may sound to some people, but like, you know, a nightclub is home. Well, yeah, for some of us it was.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I, absolutely. I, I met my wife in a nightclub and neither, <laughs> neither one of us like lived in nightclubs, you know, <laughs> right. but right. there, uh, there was a period of time where I, you know, I spent, a night or two a week at the same place and with, with all my buddies. And we had, that was just kind of what we did for a while. And it, it, it does, it it becomes, you know, it feels like home. And when you go back there and then you see all the same people and they're like, Hey, David. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that's just, uh, it's, it's all about that experience and, and making those memories and having, having stuff to latch those memories onto.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, I've got two more clips. Uh, this one, you know, I said we were going to circle back around to that word underground. Uh, yeah. Uh, this one comes from Seth Troxler, and it's from a Fact Magazine uh, interview in
6: 2014. Okay. I mean, that's funny, the word underground. Nothing's really underground. I'm not, I'm not underground, you know. I play kind of contemporary and possibly underground music, but what we're doing isn't really underground. Underground is like, you know, kids in a basement playing tracks with ten of their friends, or playing in a bar in the middle of nowhere trying to create a scene, that's actually underground. You know, me playing to 30,000 people at a festival, I can't really say that that's um, the same type of concept. <laughs> I mean right now we've reached this this point where underground music is becoming more accessible to the masses and that's, that's cool, I mean, because it's like not people changing what they've done, kind of trying. To make their own sound fit to be more accessible to people, it's cool. People are just becoming um, attuned to really experimental and cool music, and that's fantastic.
0: So, uh, point taken, right? Mm-hmm. I yep. mean, what do you think that the underground, like, does that cease to exist once it's large enough to be talked about? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. It,
0: Especially considering where we're at now, right? With that,
1: yeah. I mean, electronic dance music as a whole, you know, and I'm I'm encompassing everything that falls typically under that umbrella has not been underground for quite some time. You know, I would I would venture to say at least ten years. Um, The year in the states, uh, right, right, right. Well, I mean, really worldwide. I mean, because I mean, you know, Europe has always embraced, uh, electronic, you know, techno, you know, German techno Netherlands and, 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 in and, and London, uh, and, you know, Britain, you know, with, with drum and bass and all of that kind of stuff, like, you know, worldwide, you know, there's, there's been a little bit more acceptance, but when we're talking about the U S scene, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, it, there, there, there was definitely a, a threshold that was crossed, yeah. you know, cause as he's saying, you know, if I'm playing the 30,000 people, that's not underground. right? No, it's not, <laughs> you know. Um, Unless
0: you found the 30,000 people that were willing to travel all over, from all <laughs> right. over the world, that were the only <laughs> right. fans of that song. Yeah,
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, but um, you know, there, there was a time where all of this was underground and, and, You know, for some people, I guess it's a matter of perspective, right? Like, I mean, you know, somebody who's like into like Lil Wayne or, and you know, or the Zac Brown band, you know, people who are used to, you know, forking out, you know, a bunch of money to go to this superstars concert where with, you know, a large group of friends or, you know, packed out stadiums and stuff like that, you know, to go and see, you know, a big name DJ at a local club that holds 500 people, you know, it's a matter of perspective. Like, Oh, well, why is this such a big deal? Is this underground? You know, I've never heard of this.
0: I I think, uh, people do tend to get too hung up on the word. Yeah. Like we need a word, right? Because there, there is a difference between Michael Jackson (laughs) and, you know, anyone. Right. Right. (laughs) right. (laughs) So we need some kind of descriptor and underground tends to be the one that I pick. I still use the word. Yeah. um, Knowing that it's kind of a loaded term, but you know, if if I'm, it depends on who I'm talking to, right? So if I'm, if I'm talking to uh, my wife, who's not particularly into this music Mm -hmm. or uh, you know, just a, a random person off the street I might describe, say, uh, uh, Dirty Bird, like Justin Martin, sure. as underground right. to them if I'm trying to describe, what it, oh, I'm going to this Dirty Bird thing. What's that? Well, it's this kind of like underground dance music thing. Right. But if you say that to like a house DJ or, or uh, one of the heads, that you, they're going <laughs> to laugh at you, right? <laughs> like, oh, that's, dirty bird. That's, that's your underground? It's not
1: underground. That's not underground. <laughs> right. So
0: it's it's like, okay, I, so I'm just choosy about who I say the term sure. with. Sure. But, you know, we, you got to say something, right? So... All that to say, people get too hung up on it, but agreed. You know, point taken, and and then you you take that and, and scale it to where we are now with with uh, social media and everything, and it's like, can anything even be underground anymore?
1: I mean, I mean, bronies aren't <laughs> even underground, <laughs> right. right? Like, no right. offense to any bronies out there, but yeah, like I mean, they've hit pop culture. and right. everybody right. knows what
0: that is, as we say it. Yeah, so.
1: yeah. So, it, it, it is a term that can be loaded in the in 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 some circles and in other circles it might be the perfect descriptor but you know you can't like we can't replace the word underground with anything right now because that's that's what it was when it was underground and now that it's not like okay well is it like Slightly above ground. Like, <laughs> is it that first same, floor? <laughs> <Is> it like, <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. The, then the same thing will happen to whatever term we pick. Right. Right. right.
1: Is so it we, story we'll to right. you know, Right. It's are like a split level thing. <laughs>
0: what are we What are we talking here? <laughs>
9: right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got one last clip and I, I had to wrap up with Nina. Oh. So I got a clip from Nina Kravitz. And one of know, my favorites. She's one of those people that I just for whatever reason, I don't really think about much. And then like anytime she's brought up or somebody mentions her name, I'm like, Oh, Nina, yeah, she's so amazing. Why don't I, you know, why am I not watching her every day? I just, there's
1: something about her that I just really like. I was going to say, I'm the exact opposite. Like, cause she is definitely one of, one of my favorites. I mean, if for nothing else, when she is playing, you know she is having yes. the time of her life. Yes, like, oh,
0: and that's she infectious. definitely has that passion. Yeah, you can tell. I mean, she just, you, you know, you'll see her bouncing around. She yeah. just can't stop moving, or you'll see her just like super, just really into, into the headphones. A mix. Yeah, and, yeah. And she, yeah, she, she always seems to give it her all. And and one of the things that she talks about in this clip that we're going to wrap up with here is how that DJ mix. Uh, exists kind of as a moment in time. I think you'll appreciate this.
5: For me, it was always an inspiration to listen to some emotion in the mix, to understand that the mix is actually the part of an actual moment. And it's not really orchestrated at home or in some environment that you don't really have a contact to the outside world. It is just a moment that is caught and recorded. I love digging through records especially to the second hand records when you don't really see what's inside the box you just take one two three hours for yourself and just going in in some box that has no order of tracks no tips no tags nothing just an untouched box of records from some warehouse and the only reference that you might have is how much music you listen resonates with your personality your core and I could
0: spend hours doing that. So obviously we got into crate digging there in the second oh, half yeah. of that but uh which I also love I'm the same way like give me a couple boxes of unmarked records and let me just tear through them, you know. Oh yeah. Um but that that first part's what I really like where she says that uh something about like the the music is is just a moment in time that mix and Sorry. I That's what I really like about her as a DJ. Is I I really get that feeling that she's not playing a track list of songs, right? And she's not just mixing one song into another song. Like she's she's creating a DJ set, yeah, in that moment, which is a weird distinction to make. But I I get what she's saying there. Like she everything feels like freestyle when she's playing. Sure, you know what I mean.
1: Yep, that is a hard distinction to make when when everything that we see and hear and, and, and consume is so prepackaged and perfect and just, and, and, you know, we've, we've seen and, and heard, you know, Nina, when, when she's out there, I mean, you know, she's human, right. And, and, you know, we all kind of get off the beaten path or some things just don't always, you know, mix well or mix right. But when, when she doesn't like, it, it all it like it always comes back around like yeah. it's almost like
0: she's a very human dj yes like when you yes. hear her play yeah and, and like it mistakes and all and you hear all that and she embraces all that and she's absolutely. like i'm i'm creating a live performance and it, it feels a lot more like playing instruments than than it otherwise would right
1: yeah and and, and when you come across djs like that you know like you said uh, free uh, a freestyle is is a is a great uh, analogy for it because that I think that's one of the things that I love about her is that you know not just her presence but like how she approaches the the decks and then takes control of it and just kind of
0: I, I don't know it's it's something I definitely gain inspiration from because it's something that I I strive for more and more as a DJ is is to play more that way right where it's like instead of I'm going to play this song and then I'm going to play this song and then I'm going to play some other song. It's I'm going to create a two hour song and all these records are pieces of it. Right. You know what I mean? And she'll start something in the middle of the track or, you know, and wherever (laughs) and make it all work. and, And I'm like, see, that's, creating something on the fly that's right. you know that it's a different kind of skill-based DJing that I can really appreciate right and with some really trippy weird music which uh, is always fun. yeah <laughs> yeah
1: her track selection is <laughs> uh, you know and getting into that crate digging thing like that's one thing that um you know That is lost on, you know, the digital DJ Mm. for, you know, because I mean, for better or worse, you know, digital music distribution has made everything so much more accessible. But, you know, even just the act of crate digging through B port is so daunting, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean... I don't even, I barely look at artist names. I don't even pay attention to title names half the time until I've actually purchased the thing and I have to remember it, you know, for right. for my own set's sake, right? <laughs> but, like, you know, even labels and all that stuff, like, you know, I, I remember the major ones, but, like, you know, most of these independent labels that are putting out, you know, all of these artists, that I just, I, I don't take the time to really remember it. I barely remember the thumbnail, but right, i'm telling right. you 20 years later i know record sleeves in here <laughs> and you know just you know the the act of going into a record store and and getting a stack of 50 and leaving with 5 you know, right right you know and and all of that and you know so that aside then going and like you know um getting together with dj crews and and dj buddies and then like you know, I think I've mentioned on the show before, one of the things that we used to do to practice and to push each other is, okay, here's my records and here's your records. And here's somebody else's records. There's three, four, five of us, and you can pick any record out of any crate, but your own, you know, and then, and that's what we would do is we would do these, you know, round robin tag sets and, you know, practice each other's records. And then that made uh, all of us better, you know, and, and, you know, then when you get into like, you know, actual crate digging, you know, where you go and you spend hours in a record store, that's like, you know, like she said, you know, secondhand stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of record stores that, you know, uh, you could buy a box of records. You weren't allowed to like go picking through it but if you bought the whole box, you could get it for 20 bucks. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and out of all of it, most of it might've been crap, you right. know, but you know, there was, there was usually at least one, if not a handful of gems that came out of it. And that's the difference. Right. Like
0: The, and, and here's the thing. So we, we just did a, a 10 years ago episode. Yeah. And so 10 years ago, 2007, I wasn't a brand new DJ, but I was a pretty new DJ. Sure. And, so the MP3 was already thing by then tractor mm-hmm. was a thing by then. Um, so I, I started getting my feet wet uh, on early digital systems and then eventually got turntables and CDJs and I wanted to try everything. But, right. but I came into an era where, where digital music was already the most commonly consumed mm-hmm. right. uh, overall. And I, I made it a point to, to start crate digging because the, the, you know, the difference is when you, you have a, a limited set of records, i.e. whatever you can find, whatever's in front of you, whatever's in the store, whatever's yep. in the box, yep. and you take that and you're looking for that one gem. I just want to find the gem. Right. That's a lot different experience than having access to anything you ever want to find ever <laughs> in life ever <laughs> right. and just trying to decide which ones to download You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's almost the polar opposite uh, approach, right? It's I have I'm trying to get something from nothing versus I'm trying to get something from everything. Right, right. (laughs) Right.
1: Well, and and there's a a, a producer DJ uh, named Ill Gates. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's real big in the bass music glitch hop world, and uh, he has a uh, an online. Um, education resource uh, that he calls the ill methodology and that's it's geared for producers but uh, that's one of the very first things that he teaches you is that everything you need to make music is you know paper pencil and scissors or something like that and the whole the whole concept is you know cut paste and put things together and you know so his whole like philosophy was don't use synthesizers You know, teach yourself how to make music with samples because, and and make it limited, you know, a limited amount of samples. That way, when Mm. you are limited to just this, Yes. What can you make out of just this little pool of resources, and then once you get good with that, then expand a little bit more. Master and,
0: that, and then right.
1: Move on. And and you know that that was that's a hard lesson for a lot of people to learn, especially today, because you know as we've talked about before, like everything is give it to me, give it to me now, and I want it right now, and I want it in the biggest you know you know way <laughs> possible or whatever you know give it to me full full tilt, and. I feel like that's, you know, as musicians and DJs, you know, when you've got every bit of technology, every effect, every sound, every sample, everything that is, that you could possibly have at your fingertips, it's, it's almost, it it, it almost is harder to come up with something more coherent rather than just grabbing at everything and, and just slapping something together. Whereas if 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 you know what you have is a very limited resource pool to pull from, you're going to be a lot pickier about what you use and how you use it.
0: yeah, absolutely. it's um it's overwhelming and it also cheapens it a little bit, sure, I think sure. like when you have access to all of the things. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, uh, I just kind of look at it all like, what do, what do I do? <laughs> but, you know, bringing it back to, to records specifically, you yeah. know, I my approach to that now is, is more... More as a collector, I guess, yeah, yeah, um, but but not in this in the sense of like I'm trying to complete a collection of any right, kind or right, yep. get all the best records from a certain era. Like I just want records that I like or that, that are like. important to me yep. or, or whatever. Yep. <laughs> um, and it just it, it brings that kind of experience back to it. Like when I even if I'm in a, a random Goodwill or thrift store or record store or something like that. I. That's the first thing I do. I just start flipping through the records, and you know, my, my wife's like, "We gotta go." I'm like, "Just five minutes." And I'm flipping through the records, you know, <laughs> right. and I'm like, "Oh." And the other day, I found, uh, I posted a picture on Instagram. And yeah. I found uh, two records. It was um, uh, the best of Roger Troutman. Okay. And the Thriller album. Oh, nice. Ninety nine yeah. cents each. Wow. So You're kidding me. I don't have these in my collection right now. So I, <laughs> they, right up my alley. Put them in. The, <laughs> two bucks. Here you go. That you nice. know, and that and that was such a cool thing. You know, I could have gone home and downloaded thriller or played it off of, right. you know, streamed it or whatever. Right. But that, that's not the point. Right. You know, it's, like, Oh, I found it. it's a treasure hunt. You yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, you know, that aspect is, is fun. Yeah. And I Agreed. think they should and, be preserved.
1: And, and, and if, if there's one thing that we can have a, a get off my lawn moment, you know, like <laughs> I, I think that's one thing that I, I find inspiring about younger generations that are revitalizing the, the vinyl, mm-hmm. um, you know, the vinyl resurgence uh, is that, you know, the more younger people value tangible media in the in their hands and and take it home and put it on a record player and all of that stuff, like that I, I for those who haven't discovered it yet, I wish that you would because it it really is different from, you know, don't get me wrong, Beatport coupon codes are great, <laughs> but you know, it really is a different experience. And that is what I call some real talk.
0: Hashtag real talk. <laughs> Thanks for hanging, buddy. Absolutely. You this, too. This has been the Passionate DJ podcast. Take care. Easy.
1: Atmosphere right and figuring out what what you know what um i keep wanting to say the user experience <laughs> <laughs> and, there's our blooper <laughs> right. um but you know trying to get um the the event goers experience to be unique